Hello, today's podcast will be about education, specifically how the increase of federal funds after the No Child Left Behind Act of 2001 affected student performance. President Bush passed NCLB because he believed that it would put American schools on a new path of reform and a new path of results, as said in the journal article, No Child Left Behind and the Federal Role in Education Evolution or Revolution, written by Lorraine McDonald. President Bush believed that the American education system was no longer internationally competitive and hoped the NCLB law would aid in the efforts to improve academic progress of all students. It ensured that schools would be held accountable for the academic performance of their students. NCLB required schools to test their students annually in order to receive federal funding. Federal funding increased by 40% within the first three years of NCLB as reported by the House Education and Workforce Committee. NCLB gave strict guidelines regarding the annual testing and the addition of an annual progress report to make sure the students were on track. Funding was given more to the districts with the highest poverty rates as well as primarily elementary schools. The use of annual exams for students resulted in the use of standardized testing, which in turn led to standardized curriculums. After 10 years, there had been an increase in federal funding on education of 64%. Our main question is, did NCLB improve student performance? According to Elizabeth Harrington, in her article, Education Spending Up 64% Under No Child Left Behind, But Test Score Improved Little. She talks about how there has been minimal improvement in America's test scores, while U.S. education has overall diminished on the world stage. A study done by D. and Jacob in 2010 and 2011 regarding NCLB's effect on student performance indicates that NCLB may have caused an improvement of basic skills, but no further improvement after seventh grade education. However, in the grades below seven, there show a statistically significant increase in test scores after NCLB. To study this further, we will move the discussion towards Professor Song and Ms. Specie. Winner or policies like No Child Left Behind, they went too far bringing all the testing in. Um, so I think tests are something that's necessary to inform uh, whether a student is learning or not, or mm-hmm. whether you know how well they learn. So in it in in itself, I think testing is is a good thing, but um, with no child left behind, which is, you know, sort of already uh, replaced in 2015, because of all the criticism from all sides, um, it's it's because excessive testing is not good. 
and excessive testing with tar with targets and with more sort of punishment for those schools that don't do well and not enough guidance for those uh, low-performing schools uh, in terms of how to improve. Um, I think all that led to uh, too much test-focusing effort and a lot of frustration from everybody, including schools, teachers, students, and parents. Um, so you know, the short answer is testing is not the evil part of the No Child Left Behind, but the excessive um, standards and the lack of guidance to improvement, but only punishment, in my opinion. All right. All right. Are there any like type of specific types of guidance that uh, you know, work better than not? So, for for example, um, you know, if you think of, if you think about the No Child Left Behind, a very important part of the whole uh, policy is, you know, evaluate each school and then say, okay, by next year, you should improve by this much. Otherwise. If you do, if you fail to uh, achieve the target for three years, then you're going to face consequences, even closing down if you if your enrollment falls too low. And for some low-performing schools, it's not that they are slacking off. Um, it's that some of them just lack the resources to for example, hire good teachers, um, or for example, um, you know, have the teacher go train themselves and become better teachers. And sometimes low-performing schools um, are located in areas where students are also less prepared. And so within a short period of time, sometimes it's just impossible in some cases to just magically improve without any monetary or you know training and other sort of guidance and you know the, the fact that if you just using punishment then you're implicitly assuming that they're they were not trying their best but in some cases they might have already tried their best and that's the best they could do and they need other outside help all right. So, so I, I I'm kind of glad you brought that up because it uh, kind of very much leads into question number three here. With some areas not having resources in the same ways, uh, in the U.S., education is done very locally. Uh, a lot of local decision making happening and local funding. Is this kind of an impediment? or can we work within a more kind of local system and still improve educational outcomes? So I think the, um, it, the depending on what you mean exactly uh, with this question, mm -hmm. I think the, the, the aspect that's most local-based is the funding uh, mm -hmm. part. And if the funding is based on property tax, I don't think that is a, the best way to, um, to fund education because that just exacerbates um, inequality in education. And education is one of the most important 
avenue for social mobility. Mm-hmm. And so if poor um, families can only afford uh, cheap housing and the cheap housing areas have less resources to fund their local schools, then this is just going to perpetuate you know, a loop of negative uh, effects on students with disadvantaged backgrounds. So how did the No Child Left Behind Act change the curriculum? So as you probably already know, when No Child was was passed, Left Behind was passed in 2001, it was really intended to be a, um, a measurement tool to help with performance in particular within areas where there were disadvantaged populations. And so the stipulations behind the uh, legislation was to kind of try to level the playing fields in some respects in terms of, you know, conducting annual assessments linked to different state standards and then, you know, measuring year over year improvements and things like that. But from a, you know, ground perspective in regards to actual teaching, what it really did was it began to shift um, the way that people were thinking within the educator community and well at least certainly from an administration perspective because there are you know the federal dollars that support public schools that were tied to these assessments and these standards and you know there were sanctions that were basically both sanctions and rewards and disadvantage provided to individual states and schools based upon the measurement of Um, student assessment and outcomes and you know that becomes problematic because of the fact that there's pressure particularly in those schools that are highly disadvantaged or those with um, higher which tend to have been schools across the country with higher minority populations in particular to really redefine the curriculum based on success within these measured areas of math and reading. And so, you know, you started to see that there was this shift away from, um, you know, core academics like social studies and English, you know, and English and arts and science and math and sorry, arts and science and, you know, towards really these measurable, these measurable, evaluations in in math and in reading so that's a problem you know so that it really shifted the emphasis um towards those um towards those core quote-unquote core uh programs in math and reading um based on your personal opinion did the introduction of standardized testing devalue education by making it a single process for learning or did students continue learning in the same way as they previously had 
I, I think that there was a, a shift. Um, I think that NCLB was really the precursor to what's now known as the Common Core. And mm-hmm. the Common Core is really that, that designated structure to state-by-state regulation of, of education and, and what students are learning. And therefore, I, I don't think that students, in fact, were quote-unquote really learning as they did before because more teaching began to you know, evolve that is now what people would say is teaching to the test. Um, and mm-hmm. I certainly had that experience myself um, in teaching in, in public school um, in Westchester County. Um, I really did. In fact, one of the courses that I taught was a it was an English for second language student course. It was specifically for students who who were new to the United States or came from families that did not that English was really the second language spoken in their home. And those classes were specifically designed to teach to the test because the school just needed them to pass. So it, I think it really did have a, um, you know, a real, frankly, negative impact. In conclusion, No Child Left Behind was well-intentioned at its inception as a measurement tool which could provide insight about the success and progress of students from all over, including from more disadvantaged populations. However, in practice, there was a greater disadvantage placed upon certain schools that were reporting lower success because those schools then had to change their curriculum in order to reflect the standards of NCLB, rather than providing an individualized learning experience. The federal government also didn't give enough guidance to the schools and were requiring too much testing. The allocation of government funds should be put to other resources that can aid students in their success in ways other than the standardized system. Although there was certainly success associated with NCLB, there was a lot of, quote, teaching to the test, which ultimately made learning less individualized.